Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Here's a, a good question. Uh, what if there is someone else that is vested in their, like, uh, exes? for example, that may, like other biological parents to the kids from previous relationships that previously were never in the children's lives, but now because of this whole ordeal are coming forward because they do have financial gains that they're looking forward to out of it as well. So how would we deal with them? Uh, Because they may, you know, they're making custody claims and, and such now as well. So you've got to go back to like, what would the Eskimos or Indians or anybody do? What would the pilgrims do? What they would do is they'd move the matter before the custom of their people. They'd put all the pilgrims in a jury box, and they would judge who, based upon our customs, has first crack at the kids. And like I said, every dad is like, I don't care. The mom has first crack at the kids. I don't care. And for the first, like, 12 years of their life, if you're cut out of the picture totally, oh, well. That's the custom of how I was raised, that a mom needs to be there for the children, blah, blah, blah. And especially for girls, girls can be with the mom at the least age of 12, 13, 14. Yeah. But a boy, he, the boy could probably get away from mom by the time he's five or six. But that's my beliefs. That's my custom. So that's why you live into the good hands of the people of the jury. Say, look, people of the jury, don't you believe a girl should be with the mom at least like 12, 13, 14? Yes, okay. Now we could say maybe the dad could take control of the boy maybe half the time at the age of five or maybe full control of a boy. He really doesn't need his mama anymore. Well, yeah, that sounds plausible. And then you leave it in the hands of the jury. You don't worry about a piece of paper with some pencil neck clowns in Ottawa determine what's best for your kids. They didn't have kids of their own. They have no clue. So you can't say, well, a, a dad has equal rights to a newborn. Are you kidding me? That's yeah. insane. That's total insanity. Yeah. So that's the whole trick is when you go before the jury, you'll have these 12 people in a room going around and around and around doing the arguing for you, saying, well, no, you know, the ex-wife came in, she did this, ex-husband came in, now he wants that, and they'll put all the pieces of the puzzle and they'll leave it in the hands of the jury. Right. You say, you know, I'm putting my case up the best I can, you know, and I'm done, and we're going to live with the rules of the jury, and that's why in the United States we have the Bill of Rights under Article 7 or the Seventh Amendment. It says once a matter is tried by a competent jury in a court of record, there may be no court in the United States government that could overturn a common law trial by jury verdict. It's done. It's settled for all times. You can't bring it up again. It's done. No appeals. No redo. You put on your effort one time and you're done. So like I said, when you actually when you actually file a claim like the one I say, you say that if any man comes forward, let him speak now forever, hold the peace. Or you could say, if any man wishes to come forward, from all time here on, he may present his claim to court and we will consider his interest in this matter. So you can leave it open-ended. That's like saying dismissed with prejudice or dismissed without prejudice. When you're saying dismissed without prejudice, that means they could keep making this claim over and over and over. But if you're saying dismissed with prejudice, that means this is closed for all time. 
So that's why you don't use fancy words like lawyers do, dismissed with prejudice, dismissed without prejudice. You say, if any man is going to come forward, let him speak now, forever hold his peace. Everybody knows what that means. Or you say, if no man comes forward at this time, or any woman comes forward at this time, we will entertain all claims submitted to court over interest of the matter before this court at this time. There you go. So you're leaving it open-ended, saying, hey, you know what? We don't want to chip out anybody out of anything. So if you want to bring a claim forward, We'll be more than glad to hear that claim. I'm here to eternity. Or you say, hey, you speak now forever, hold your peace. Because once we join these men and women together, that's it. Not even God could tear them asunder. That's it. It's over. So you could word it either way. That's just a style of writing. It has nothing to really do with, uh, you know, what really works. But it's it's just a style that you could start with that. I always make it nice and lovely the same way anybody can come forward from here to eternity. Because nobody's going to have a claim in mind over that child. I guarantee that. I hope that helped a little bit there. And now our pre-trials, should we even attend, seeing how uh, we're obviously not pulling that court into our jurisdiction? Well, if you want to do a pre-trial, what do you mean a pre-trial? Well, social services has a pre-trial scheduled where they're calling everybody in, us and the other respondents. I'm not sure what it's all for, probably to get ready for the actual trial for them to try to, because they're applying to keep the kids. Oh, okay, okay, you got me confused there. You said a pre-trial hearing, you said, right? Yeah, there's a pre-trial hearing coming up on Wednesday. Okay, it's a hearing. Okay, hearings are basically nothing. It's basically just a pre-trial hearing. All it's basically is doing is saying, where do we all stand? We have 99 issues on the table right now. Can we knock it down to one issue? You know, how many can we knock out of here at the pre-trial hearing? Have you gone to one of these before? No, we've gone to, like, the little piddly little G hearings and stuff for people to get their, their lawyers and, and whatnot, but we haven't been to an official pretrial. Okay, how long ago did they take the kids? They took them over four months ago. Okay, so that sounds about right. I'm just trying to think, wait a second, if you've never been to pretrial, this must have happened recently. What trial are they um, believing that you're going to walk into? What is the trial um, called that... You're saying there's a pretrial, and then there's supposed to be a trial after that, like a week or two later, they're trying to tell you? Uh, yeah, the last week of April, they're having a five-day trial to hear uh, everybody's evidence. Uh, well, basically, the Minister of Social Services and all their evidence and all their witnesses and affidavits and whatnot to try to you know, make us appear like unfit parents so that they can keep the children. No, 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 but I'm saying, what is the name of that trial? The custody trial, wrongful termination of parental rights? One is for custody, application for custody. Uh, we suspect that they may apply as well for termination of parental rights. Okay, good. That hasn't happened yet. But right now, they won't let us see our kids until we address further allegations that we're just done addressing allegations because we're like, bring your evidence, bring your facts, you know, it's just a bunch of, of you know. Believe it or not, believe it or not, that's great that you don't get to see your kids right now because then you concentrate on what you need to do, believe it or not. It, it's just, it sounds bad, but it's, it's really beneficial to it's you. True. That it, it has been beneficial in that sense because it's been nose to the grindstone trying to get, you know. Right, get because that way, right. That way you're not saying, okay, I'm going to have to kill two hours today. I mean, it sounds horrible to people who, Never went through this, but when I went through it, believe me, when I had to go visit him, it was, I couldn't stand it. It's, it's more like, torture than it's worth. If yeah, and it's really worth time, and it's getting my train of thought away from doing what I'm supposed to really be doing, is getting them back, not playing, you know, tiddlywinks to them. I got my nose to the grindstone, leave me alone. I got to master this, or you're gone forever. Some people say, well, you know, you should have been glad to see him. No, 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 no. Uh, when is this pretrial hearing? It's uh, on Wednesday on the 10th. Okay, well, that's good. So what you're basically doing, you have to file a claim with the Queen's bench down there. 
you have a family court right up there, right? Yes. Okay, that's great. So, like I said, here in the United States, family court is part of the civil division of the courts. It's not under the criminal division, it's under the civil division. So is that how they basically have it structured where you are? I believe so. It's structured the same way, civil. So that works out great. So like I said, what happens here in this country, this, there's something called a county. So what happens is there's a man who's in charge of the civil division and there's a man who's in charge of the criminal division in a, in a big counties up here. And uh, the judges, one judge will hear civil cases, one judge will hear criminal cases, and family court is like three or four branches under within the, the structure, like a hierarchy of a, like a pyramid. You know, it'd be near, pretty well near the bottom family court. So what you're doing then is you're going to make a civil action and you're going to file a claim in that civil court. And you're going to say that the pretrial hearing people is like, oh, we've got a claim filed that's going to be held before a jury to determine this matter as well. So while your people are doing an administrative hearing, and they're never really trials. I don't know if you know that. They're not trials. In the administrative level, they could call it a trial and stylize it as a trial, but they're always hearings. They're not being held by like a judge. They're being held by a hearing officer. So what you're saying is I'm proceeding this in common law, and we're going to move this matter before a jury. And they're going to say, oh, well, you can't do that. It's like I can move any claim before a jury. There is nothing that I can't present to a jury. There is nothing in anybody's constitution or charter, like it says in our constitution, there's any matter of controversy over the value of $20. I certainly value my child to be worth more than $20. That's right. So is any man who wants to move a claim before a trial by a jury to determine the matter uh, well, a matter of controversy. Well, we certainly have a controversy here, family court, judge, uh, clerk, whatever you want to call them, administrating officer. We certainly have a matter of controversy. I believe that those children are my property, and I have exclusive rights to enjoy them, exclusive to all others on this planet, including you and your agency. So I believe that it is a controversy, and I believe that I have the right to move any matter in controversy to a trial by jury. And they could jump up and down and say, no, 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 this is family law. No, we don't do jury trials here, la, 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 la. It's like, you know what? You could call it family law. You could call it banana law. You could call it apple law. You could call it any law you want. But as far as I know, in a common law land, I have the right to move any matter in controversy before a jury. And we are very contentious right now. We have a hell of a controversy going on right now, and nobody can dispute that. At no time did I relinquish custody voluntarily over to you. Do you believe that I relinquish voluntary custody over to you people ever? When I say this for the deal with family law, did you ever sign anything with these people yet? Originally, when this all began, we were signing like hospital documents and things like that. But we were signing, not that it probably matters, but we were signing with boxes around our names and basically just under duress on all lowercase and not signing with our last name. But we never signed any contracts with CPS. They keep trying to make us sign things, and we just refuse. Let me limit it to four months ago. When they took your child four months ago, and you said they kicked in the door, arrested you guys, whatever they did, did they present any documents to sign to you within like that day or two or three? Did they present any documents to tell you to sign this, or you're going to have a bad day? I don't believe so. I don't, I don't recall, other than just the hospital, because it was immediately to the hospital and whatnot. So other than signing hospital permission, basically, to take blood, and I'm all basically under duress, because I was so scared right. not to be able to see my kids, and 
they took them anyway, but... Right. Well, like I said, with most folks don't understand this family law stuff, what they do is they try to make you an offer. They try to say to you, look, if you just inoculate the kids, if you just put them in public school, if you just do this, do this, do this, and uh, we'll give them back to you immediately. And yeah. Just sign the document, and you it's a, like a safety plan. It's like and, uh, if you violate anything in this plan, we are going to run back into your home and grab every single one of them back out, and we're going to put them into custody if you break the terms and agreements of this contract. So did they try to offer you any kind of Nothing settlement like that? Like that? No. No, that's great. So... And there's only one other way they could move you is that they have to claim you did wrong. And what they were going to have to say then is you committed a crime. So now what have you been charged with? What criminal crime have you done to hurt this child? Nothing. Okay. You guys got to understand this because this is what I did to the uh, state of Alabama, which was the ninth judge. I said, watch this judge. I haven't been able to get this guy to say any of this. Thank God they sent him from the Alabama Supreme Court. I said, watch this. I said, hopefully this will work this time. I looked over to the prosecutor and the attorney general said, oh, are we here based upon uh, I did a wrong to this child? Are you charging me with abuse and neglect? Is there anything filed with the local sheriff's department or a local uh, district attorney on file that you're charging me with a crime for doing wrong or me or my wife? Well, no. I said, ah. I put my finger up the judge. I said, ah, there we go. So it took me seven years to get him to say that. Watch this, judge. I said, because there's only one other way they can be moved to this court. Is there a contract between me and my wife and the state? Yes. I said, bingo, judge. Here we go. So now you can do the same thing. You can basically say, ah, is there a contract between me and family court? And if they say, yes, there is a contract, wonderful. See, because they said there was a contract between me and my wife and the state of Alabama. And I said, oh, really? Because me and my wife never signed anything. So we found out a couple months later when the Alabama Supreme Court actually sent the contract to me. It didn't have my name on it, my wife's name on it, and the kid's name on it. It had somebody totally, completely different and. the the child was three years old, and my child was brand new, newborn. So this contract was ridiculous. This pertained to a child who was three, four years old. This had nothing to do with me and my wife. So that's what I'm saying. They might be moving you folks under the belief that they're telling the hearing officer that there's a contract. And even though you know and I know you didn't sign nothing, this is what me and my wife did. And under 27 hearings and two trials, they kept claiming to the judge that there was a contract between the parties. But they would never tell us. My lawyers never told us. They would never tell us why we're here. So you might get into the Stonewall thing that I got into for seven years. And they could drag you on for seven years and never tell you why they're there. You just think that maybe they charge you with a criminal crime. Me and my wife thought for seven years that they charged us with a crime. They held a trial in absentia without me and my wife knowing or being there. And then we were found guilty of something and they were just holding it over our heads forever. We would never thought that it was based upon a contract. I was so surprised. I was like, wow, a contract, wow. Judge, we should be able to wrap this up in two seconds. Present the contract to the court because the contract is the law, and the law must be before the court. If there isn't a contract between the parties, there is no law. They have no case. I want this, this whole, their whole entire case discharged, dismissed immediately, stricken from the records. And the, all the state said as well, and Mr. Lunch, gee, you lost your copy of the contract? I was like, what? what are you talking about? They said, well, we have our copy. And there's a copy sitting right in front of the judge in that case file. Me and the judge and the prosecutor, we went through 535 pages. I said, we saw one contract that had to do with like a three, four-year-old girl. And we said, uh, where is it? And the attorney general said, I saw it in there. And the judge said, well, I didn't see nothing. I said, I didn't see nothing. The attorney general said, well, you know contract law. 
just because you lost your copy of the contract, as long as I say I have a copy of the contract, you know how the rule, Judge. He's like, sorry, Carl, I got a rule against you. They say there's a contract, there's a contract. Your word means just as much as theirs. And honestly, Carl, they have nothing to gain, so why would they lie? They're an inanimate object. They're family services. They have nothing to personally to gain. And I said, oh, you know, and I know that's ridiculous. The judge says, yeah, I know. He said, let me just pass the final judgment on this case. Don't ever use their case number ever again. Stop using their damn case number. Create your own damn case. File a case against them in another court. Go downtown to civil court and file a case against them. Don't use their case number. So I was arguing with the poor judge for like half an hour. I was like, wait a second, but that's the case, and that's the case number. And my children are that case number. He's like, stop using it. So it's like what I'm doing to you guys. Stop using their case numbers. Yeah. Stop it. You know, once you sign the case number, that's fine. That's there for fees of their filing purposes only. It has nothing to do with your case. You're not turning over control of jurisdiction of your claim, your case, just because they put a number to it. That's right. It's going to try to say, well, now we stamped it, we filed it, now it's ours, and we're going to determine what's the merits and the outcome of this case. You just have to keep evoking the right to move a trial by jury. And this is property. And going back to the order, seeing how they didn't have the proper paperwork, no real warrant with a bond attached, we could probably use that as well as they use the fraudulent instrument to come in. And you could say they obtain property without a proper jurisdiction or proper authority or proper paper or proper filing. But I'm telling you, if you go before a hearing officer in a family court, they'll say, well, you know what? We did it in the best interest of the kids. Sometimes we have to break the law and shatter the law and do whatever we got to do to protect babies. So, you know what? We'll let God be our judge. So, you know what? Denied. You have to get it away from these people. Yeah. You have to get it in front of the jury. Now, that's where you can present all that stuff to the jury. Say, look, they know the rules. They're supposed to come in with this, 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 and this. And let them tell the jury. Well, you know, sometimes we got crazy loony tunes like this lady and his wife, you know, and uh, we got to uh, protect the children, the best interest of the children. We just got to run in there and save them from crazy people like her and let the jury determine it. Because, like I said, once you get to that point, I'll explain to you in really simple details that nobody for the state or the county or the province could come in and testify in open court under oath affirmation. They can't do it. So you'll basically be the only one standing in front of a trial by jury. That's why the state doesn't allow you folks to do trial by jury because they know the rules. They have no third-hand impartial witness that's going to be able to be produced to show that you've caused any direct harm to those children, which honestly, they really don't have a right to determine whether or not who determines what harm is or not. They're your property. If you want to drive your car around and around your house, you know, 900 miles an hour, oh, well, it's your house, your car, do what you want. Once you go out into the public venue, oh, that's different. I totally believe in a social contract with society. And, and, you know, don't cause harm to others and be respectful and do the speed limit because, you know, what, you know, do it on your own property, whatever you want. But, you know, when it's common property, common grounds, respect each other and act decent. You know, and if you get caught, just say, I'm sorry. Give a good reason. Sometimes the church just said, okay, don't do it again. Right. You know, act like a decent person. That's all. They're just looking to see for a decent person to pop up. But I think you have a pretty good game plan going on there. We're pretty sure we got uh, a good game plan going on. With It's getting better and better. Like, they're getting closer to accepting our, our paperwork, at least. Um, now, let's say they do take the habeas and, and whatnot, and they want to settle. Let's say we get our claim in there. Like, our claim right now, we have it set for a dollar per second per child. 
if they want to settle and say they want to pay certain damages but it's not what's in our claim and we accept that, does that enable them to come back at us for filing a false claim? If they want to make a proposal of a settlement, how do I not dishonor my own bill and my own belief, my own demands by accepting less? Right. And he simply said, even though I sued you for $10 million, I'll um, conditionally accept payment of $100 or $1,000 or $10,000 or a $1 million at this time. And I will set off the other $9 million that you owe me to a later date, which we'll, we'll work out and we'll determine at a, a later date. We will come together in 30 days and come to some sort of agreement how the balance of the debt will be tended. Now, would it benefit us or harm us in any way if we didn't go to the pretrial and didn't go to the trial? Like, Can they compel oh, no. us to go to these hearings? Oh, no, because that's a perfect time to, to hand all the people the summonses to appear. Oh, that's perfect. That's like, here, this is one for you, one for you, one for you, one for you, one for you. You've all been served. We'll see you in the, you know, answer this claim. You've got 21 days to do it, 22 days. We'll meet downtown in front of a jury. Now, that's oh, no. provided we have that, that the court has accepted, the court clerk has accepted to file our claim at that they don't, point. They don't accept anything. They just, they just do it. There's no such thing as accept. The court clerk, all the court clerks, they don't care what's on You could, I try to tell people like, well, look. When peers sit here and read our paperwork and say, no, we're not going to, like, they've given us the runaround for the last four, it's no, the most impossible people, thing to file a claim. <laughs> I tell people if you're having a hard time, Write your claim in Chinese, and I'm done. The court, court can't do anything. All she can do is file it. So the other side will re read it and understand it. If the other side doesn't read it and understand it, believe me. They'll ask me to um, send them a bill of particulars and to uh, explain in a little more detail the claim that they, we got before the court. Yeah, like we went into uh, another city as well to try to file our paperwork with that court there, and you know, they said, oh, this paperwork's great. We, we could take this today. The only problem is we're in a different county. We need to be in the same county. That the, only other way, the only other way that you guarantee that it get into the court is you mail it. Now, if we mail it, that will not get there in time before the pretrial. So, sure it will. You just go across the street. To the closest post office, and they'll have it mailed in one. They'll be they'll walk across the street and hand it to them. It'll be done. And like I said, and, and just because you summons them to appear in court, all summons means is somebody's granting you, granting you, giving you permission to control, to use their facility, like to use their sheriff's department or their mounties, to drag that person's body before that court in 22 days. That's what a summons is. Is somebody's granting you power? Now you don't have to wait for somebody to grant you power. You can say, I have the power to use this facility. I have the power to use this venue. My tax dollars built this building. This isn't a private boys club. This isn't the old good old boys club. This isn't a legal society club. This is a public building, like a public library. I have the right to access and check out books like everybody else. I have the right to submit my claim like anybody else. Just because you don't like the way I style my claim, like I said, one man was going around in this country who was an ex-lawyer who just smelled like you know, a dead animal walking into public libraries so they would deny him access. So when they would deny him access, he'd sue him. He was making a living going around suing libraries. <laughs> because you can't deny the public the right to access the library. You can't deny the public the right to access the courts. You can't do it.
So if they won't file our paperwork, we would basically say, well, we're going to sue you. <laughs> well, 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 no, there's two steps you got to do. First, you got to say to them, are you the court clerk? The clerk of the court is just a subordinate officer of the court clerk. Court clerk, to me, is the lady who really runs that show. Right. Not really the head judge because they come and go. But that court clerk lady, she'll be there for 20, 30, 40 years. She ain't going nowhere. She runs the show. She's the one who's supposed to uh, pay the judges. She's the one who's supposed to do all the account. She's, she's the lady who's really in charge of everything. She makes the magic happen. So what happens is there's a case here in the United States, and a man did that. He said that he was locked up for failing to pay child support. His wife went into family court. He didn't appear. She won custody of the kids and moved like half a country away. And he said the clerk of the court wouldn't accept his paperwork, so I'm suing her for failing to accept my paperwork. So it went all the way up to the Supreme Court. So what happened was the Supreme Court made a ruling, and you don't have to rely upon it, but this is what our courts believe. He went and sued the court clerk. What he should have done is also, they said, there's two branches of a court, the court clerk side and the judicial side. So what he should have done then is not only made the court clerk aware that she was interfering with his right to access the people's court, but he should have went to the chief judge, because technically the chief judge is the highest officer that's carrying the bond for everybody in that court, including the clerk. So he should have went uh, told the court clerk, if you interfere my right to access this court, I'm going to have to sue you. And then you're going to have to also tell the chief judge, you have a subordinate officer called court clerk. This woman is interfering my right to access a public court. If you do not control, train, monitor, and discipline your subordinate, I'm also going to have to add you to my suit. So the Supreme Court of the United States said because he failed to let the chief judge know that one of his subordinates were acting out of order, he had no right to sue the court. So you've got to keep going up and up and up. He's like, look, I got this all covered. I got the clerk, court clerk, and I got the chief judge. What more do you want me to do? And then the Supreme Court said, well, then we'd accept the belief that you can sue because you made the top dog aware of what is going on. So basically we could use that uh, pre-trial hearing to go in and we serve our own claim ourselves to respond Well, the first thing is in order to cease and desist, and it is basically saying prior to me filing a lawsuit, this is a perfect opportunity to give you a notice to cease and desist and to return our property immediately before we have to move this into a court and uh, for the matter to be determined before a trial by jury, which I'm going to vote as is my right. There you go. Today, when they went to court, you know, they had a uh, habeas corpus that they had tried to submit, I want to say, on Wednesday. And it was rejected with a letter uh, from the judge. Yeah, you saw the letter um, basically saying, you know, you, you, you guys need to write up while there's, you know, why there's a case in family and now a case in civil, you know. So they put together a letter, a handwritten, uh, very simple letter. Right, that's what I yeah. told them. They handed me something that was nine pages long. I said, how does this go for me? Explain to you folks, make it in two sentences or less than nine pages. And they said, well, we did it in French as well. I said, okay, four pages. I said, how does this go from two sentences to four pages? Can you please just explain to the court 
in, in, in one sentence or two sentences that I would demand the return of my property to its original jurisdiction. You know, it's it, pretty simple. But yeah, go ahead, keep going. Like I said, yeah, I remember these folks now. I know who you're talking about. So I guess, um, so I guess they also have a claim going in against the uh, parties who who uh, aggrieved them, right? Who who affected their uh, rights and their children. Um, so that has definitely changed their attitude. You know, Jonathan was um, saying that you know now it's it's completely they're friendly, um, they're very um, you know quick to do things. You know, when they ask for something or need help. So today when they brought the habeas corpus in to have it filed, uh, the judge actually uh, helped them, made made corrections literally in black ink on the habeas corpus and corrected some 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 errors, some words. So they had uh, described the children as property. So the proper, the proper way on a habeas is, of course, is, is to describe them as children, as human beings, right? You know, in the common law, we know with the claim they're our property. But, uh, you know, the judge said for the proper way to get this in and get a response is to uh, uh, change this to human beings. And he also wrote out, you know, their full names and of the children, uh, colon, house of their last name. So he actually made sure to separate their first and middle names and then put, you know, of the house or of, and then their last name. So the judge made these corrections, and then... Uh, Stop they, a second. They, did these people like the judge helping them, or did they get upset, or what did they do? Uh, they liked it because he was now helping them. He would he had, you know, I guess, uh, you know, stepped forward and, and, and tried to help them. Okay, and uh, do you believe? Do you also believe that that sounds like a pretty good thing that the judge was saying? Oh, sure, sure. I think if you give these public good, servants good. the opportunity, they're going to come into honor and good, good. Gonna help everybody. Yeah, that's absolutely. That's good, good, good. So I'm, I'm, thank God, I'm basically the only one who's looking at it the way I'm looking at it. What the judge did was incredibly insane to me. One, he, you making a claim that you want the return of property to this jurisdiction, okay? So like Greg explained really well to people, he uses the phrase, I love you. What they did was they diminished capacity, and they tried to actually um, still maintain control of the property. See, because they're going to say, well, throughout society, there's a belief universally that human beings have some inherent or rights protected by a government. So when you try to say that my child is a human being, there the state is still, or the government, is still trying to claim jurisdiction over your property. Now, when you say it's my property, and you leave it vague, and you say, is any man going to come forth and make a claim that that is not my property, um, then you have the capacity to do anything you wish with your property. It's like, say that, uh, I'm trying to remember the Shivo girl's name. I don't, I don't remember her name. It was Lisa Shivo or something like that. They were hooked up to a hard lung machine because she was in a coma for like 99 years, and her family right, wanted Harry to... Right, Harry Yeah. Right. They wanted to pull her off, but the government intervened, and it went all the way to the Supreme Court, Remember? But if it, was that, yep. if it was that husband's property, like I claim my wife is my property, and my wife claims me as her property, okay? That way, if anything ever happens to me, she gets the ultimate decision-making because I trusted her enough to be, to be me, to me and her one. So she's making the executive decision, and I don't need some lady in a black robe or a man in a black robe or Hillary Clinton to say, pull that plug or leave it in. My wife knows what I wish. My wife knows what I want. My wife knows what's best for me. 
She's with me 24 hours, seven days a week, 365. This guy in a black robe listens to me and my claim for two minutes a day, and then he's gone for the rest of eternity. He does not know what's best for my child or my children. So when Greg said that the guy said, well, he modified the habeas corpus, and I said to them, I said, look, first of all, you don't style as a habeas corpus. You write as a return of property, order. I order return of property to said jurisdiction. You know, put your home address down, and you're done. That's basically it. You're just saying that this, this that my property's be held, being held in uh, improperly or with, you know in, in, in an improper jurisdiction under the control of an improper jurisdiction. Just say that. Well, control jurisdiction, same word. But you know what I'm saying. You try to make it one sentence, two cents. You basically say that the property is being held improperly, and then you say the proper place is here, and that's it. And you're done. You create an order. So now, when a judge comes in and he's micromanaging your words, what he's trying to do is he's like, holy bananas. These people know common law, and they're going to claim all that is proper to their person, which is their lungs, their, their dreams, their hopes, their desire, their children, their car. They're going to claim it all, and they're making it exclusive to all others within society. That's property. So he is trying to say, well, you know what? We're going to define them as human beings because that way that doesn't make an extent, that property exclusive to all others within society. That these human beings have a universal Human Beings Rights Act of Canada, Human Beings Rights Act of the United Nations. So somehow they're still allowing the government to squeeze in there somewhere in their domestic affairs, under their domestic authority. They're trying to, they're trying to keep a little uh, a hook in there so they can pull those kids out at will. Okay, so it sounds glorious what this, this judge is doing, and it's nice. And you take it, and when you're there, you just sweet as pie. You accept all of his things, say, oh, that's lovely, that's lovely. Oh, for human beings, okay, you know, we'll take that into consideration. Thank you. That's very thoughtful of you, Judge. Oh, that's lovely, that's wonderful. And then you go back, and then you do it the way that you feel is best to you. But uh, like you said, I'm glad I was the only one who thought this way, because, you know, it feels weird that, you know, like, uh, you know, then I'm like, oh, thank God I feel this way. But now maybe you people are going to look at it a little bit my way. So you said said this judge did this glorious thing by helping them scratch out property and diminish their status by writing human beings, which does give them limited control over their property by defining them. Okay, that's fine. And then what did the judge, the glorious, (laughs) the nice judge do? I said to Michael, I said, Michael, what was the rest of the story, what the judge did? How did how did this happy event end with the, the out of the judge's office or the judge's chambers or were they at the clerk's window? I mean, how did they how did this meeting end between the judge and the uh, family? Well, it looks like they took the paperwork. Um, Jonathan and the girlfriend uh, signed and put their thumbprints on it, and they they took it and scheduled a date. It has the uh, the court stamp on it. So, court of the Queen's bench is stamped on the uh, first page. And they scheduled a hearing uh, to be heard for the habeas corpus on the 10th of April. At where? At what venue? Did they do it at a, where they hold family court? Did they do it where they hold the Queen's bench? Did they do where, where are they actually going to meet now? Little Jesse, right? Yes, that's right. Hello. Yep. I'm good. Oh. Remember your name. How you doing? Oh, we're doing pretty good. Um Kind of understand what I was trying to say to Michael over there? Yes, definitely. Um, A little bit of subterfuge the judge is doing to you. But that's okay. We were, he kind of, when we brought in our our little note, basically uh, responding back to his, yeah, uh, we sent it to you in your email uh, as an attachment, I believe. Um, But we basically replied to his, um, you know, 
uh, send us a letter in writing as to you know your legal basis. So uh, we wrote back, well, thank you for oh, reviewing you, our documents. Um, right, right, right. And I think I told you, don't do legal basis. You get attached yes, to legal. Yes, that's right. We put, uh, you know, we apologize for any confusion. As the aggrieved, our lawful basis is that we require the use of this venue as a court of record to seat a jury in which we move our claim before. So there you go. determine and render a verdict as to who has the lawful right to tender oh, or administrate I, our property. That, that, that's a good letter. Did you send that to me? See, now you're starting to get it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we, the aggrieved, or the defendants, and, and immediately, as soon as he received this, within an hour, he opened up a court of record for us. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. yeah. Uh, the court stenographer and the court clerk, and, and he basically he brought us right in. He, he, he had yeah. the habeas, and he had the claim. And yeah, do you know why? He basically said... Um, you know why? Pardon? They opened it up. Do you know why they opened it up? Why is that? Because you're considered well, like a king or a queen, you're, con oh. you're considered a sovereign, and when you want to convene court, it's open to you 24-7. Like, if you ever watch an old movie, like a Queen of England, Elizabeth II or whatever, Elizabeth I, and all of a sudden she wakes up at 3 o'clock in the morning and she says, you know, uh, round up my court, get my court. It's like, queen, it's 3 o'clock in the morning. Well, you know, I'm convening court. Get everybody into my court now. Right. Right. You do. And the judge realizes, like, holy crap. We got a queen or a king present before the court. We got to convene. Yesterday, you make well, an that, that was kind of our feeling about it. We're like, oh, finally, they got the memo. Everyone started to change their attitude completely. There was no more mocking, and there was no more, no, we won't take this paperwork. It was yes right away, sir. Yes right away, ma'am. Please wow. just be one moment, and we'll be right back with your original copies. And you know, it was complete <laughs> utter. Turnaround complete 180 from uh, Wednesday when we tried the same thing. So what I'm saying, if you folks start to understand that when you're in a common law nation, these people in the black robes do understand their role. Yes. Yeah. See, this is what I'm trying to tell you, folks. These these judges aren't stupid. The court clerk isn't stupid. The clerks of the courts might be, you know, a little bit in a in a shadow still. They might not know the whole picture. If you go to the chief judge. He knows what court is. He knows exactly what's going on. Right. He's not stupid man by a long shot, but like I said, he's trying to throw that little hook in there to keep you, you keep you one side of being totally uh, what you folks would call free of their control. Right. So they keep they're trying to keep one foot in the door. They're trying to do it, and he's got to do it on their side. He's trying to help his society, his legal society, his government. He's trying to make sure that you're not going to fully break away. It's like, you know, Canada's like considered not like, well, maybe it is now, but you know, like England or the UK has dozens of like satellite countries that aren't fully you know, sovereign. Right. You know, there's like 120 countries like still under the control of England or the UK. But they always keep that one off, and they don't truly let those countries break away. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. That's what they're trying to do to you. They're trying to let you break away to a point, but they still want to make sure they maintain some sort of control and authority over you by stylizing <clears throat> your order in a certain manner. Another control mechanism. Just That's all I'm trying to say. They, they're smart. This guy is smart. Like I said, that's why I got asked to be a judge plenty of times, because I know how to throw that little uh, hook in there to keep you under my control. Wow. 
Yeah, it's that simple. It's very simple. This is very simple how they, they master the mastery of the words. And you'd think that they're, they're being kind and, you know, but they, 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 they're trying to keep one foot in the door. Because if this stuff breaks loose, what you're going to do, like I try to say to people, what, what I do, if this stuff breaks loose, it's going to be unbelievable what could happen. Yeah, it's going to be a shit storm. They can't put the ele- uh, poop back in the elephant. <laughs> it's going to be something. And this is what I'm trying to say to people. It's so simple. It's one sentence, two sentences, done. And it could run right. through this court system like lightning. Then that's what the law, legal society does. They're like, right. call. we all know it's one page done. We all know. But if you bust the bubble, how are we going to make money? I said, well, then yeah, well, do real estate, or do international uh, trades, or do uh, something else where lawyers are really, or uh, like do wills. Deal with family law anymore. You know, if I've collapsed your legal society and being able to do anything against uh, women and children anymore, oh, well, it's not going to break my heart. I said, but this is our bread and butter. Oh, well, go get a real job. Uh, what's this lady's name again? Jesse. Yeah. Jesse. Still on there, Jesse. So what happened with the, after the judge met with you folks? Oh, how did it end? I mean, the man said it sounded lovely. I mean, this judge started assembling things and started doing things, and uh, they have 72 hours to do it. And so what did they say to you? What were they well, going to do? Uh, basically, we have our habeas uh, corpus motion uh, approved and filed. And what he did is uh, we had the pretrial hearing set uh, for the 10th of April. Uh, that was the applicants. That was CPS's uh, pretrial hearing. That was set for 10 o'clock, or uh, the 10th of April at 9 o'clock in the morning uh, on the third floor in family court. Now what's happened, now that we have the habeas corpus in, um, it has been moved from uh, the third floor family court now to the second floor. Uh, to be uh, on a see, that's what I tell you folks. I said when, the judge re- when they realize there's two conflicting claims going on, they're going to move it out of, like, say, family court, and they're going to bring it down while they move it up to, like, a, see, family court's like the bottom of the food chain, and then you got probate court, and then you have, like, a civil court. So what they're doing is they're moving it out of family court, and they're moving it up the food chain. So, like I said, uh, I guess you could send me what they did to you, but honestly, you don't want to motion the court because uh, you don't motion the court. You order the court. So when you said that the judge, they accepted your motion, no, 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 no. You order the court to get in motion. You don't make a motion to the court to say, oh, we'd like you to do this. No, motion means uh, you, you wanted something granted to you. You're telling them to move. Now, uh, you're, you're wishing that they move. Now, an order to show cause or an order for habeas corpus is you're making your order, like when you go to McDonald's. That's right. Making order for a hamburger, a Happy Meal. You're making your order, and it's that duty of that person behind the other side of that window to carry out your order. No questions asked. But when you make a motion, it's like saying to them, "Well, uh, you believe that somebody in a black robe has the capacity to grant it to you or deny it." Because what time they say we deny your motion? See what I'm saying? You right. don't. What they, they can't deny your order, but they can deny your motion. So all you're going to do is you're going to run in on the tenth and say motion denied. That's right, because you didn't order them. You motioned them to do a certain thing. You order them to do it, and they can't deny it because, like I said, the only person that you want to present your claim a case to is a trial by jury. Right. There you go. You don't want nobody in a black robe determining it because they are going to deny your motion. You're going to be heartbroken on the tenth when your motion is denied. 
So, um, like I said, you send your paperwork, what they sent, what you sent to him at first, and then send to me what you want to, what you modified. And like I said, I'm going to try to get you guys to hold court, your court, not move. You, you, you're going to move your claim into court, right. and you're going to want a trial by jury. You don't want a motion where somebody can grant it or deny it. No, you are making your claim, and you're making it clear, crystal clear, that the only and the only way this could be denied is by a trial by jury or another man or woman has a superior claim. So another man who's going to come was a man or woman who's going to have to appear that day on a tent with a superior claim that says, do not give that man or that woman that property that they claim is theirs. Give it to me instead. And the judge uh, basically let us know that uh, all we need to do when we go in there basically is specifically state and only state that those are our kids and they belong to us at our home and that's period and then they have there to you go. What, that's, that's really good but again we're going to get you to get it drilled into your skull so it works out okay yes because these people I'm, I'm telling you are going to be terrified of you if you know what you're doing like you said they're scrambling like crazy people now right they're afraid of that claim that we've got pending on them, right? So they know we've got a good claim coming, and they're like, oh, boy, let's just get them focused on getting their kids back. Maybe That's we can, uh, you know, get them to back off a little bit. Tell you what they're going to do is somebody in the, the government's point of view is now going to propose to you an offer, a, con- a condition to surrender or conditional acceptance of a uh, uh, let's see if we could just, look, let's just all kumbaya this and give each other a big hug and say, let bygones be bygones. And you know what? As long as you let us come to the house once a year and stick our foot in the door and take a look, make sure everything's okay and you're not smoking pot no more and you come down for a drug test maybe every random time, we'll, we'll be more than glad to turn your kids back. That's exactly what they're going to try to propose. Right. But if you didn't do this crazy stuff that I told you to do, they totally ignore you for years. These people are evil. They're just freaking evil. Yeah. But they're going to try to come and bring the nice woman or the nice man with a nice hat, nice pocketbook, nice pair of shoes, nice dress, the nice man with cologne and shaved, tight, you know, tight trim haircut. They're just evil. They couldn't care less if you sat in a box in a cage for the rest of your life and your children watched you through a plastic screen. They couldn't care less. Oh, not at all. So as long as you always remember to be extremely polite to these people, extremely courteous, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, hi, ma'am, being fairly polite, but just realize that you're trying to make a deal with the devil. And I don't care how tempting the offer is and how sweet it sounds and, and kumbaya it's going to end, I am telling you, you're still dancing with the devil, and you're going to get burned. Whether you, whether you believe it or not, you're going to get burned by these people. They have always have a way of backtracking, double-speaking, and making you believe. in there somewhere. Yeah, there's something in there. There's, oh, like I said, oh, that judge was nice and sweet. And when, when Greg told me that, I went bananas. I said, he did what? Well, don't claim it was property. Do uh, human beings. What? No. Hey, stop. <laughs> Greg, they didn't do that, did they? And I said, you know what? Let me talk to this lady. Tell the lady to be off. We'll do a show at 830. Tell her to get on. And uh, let, let me see if I can get her to understand this a little more clearly. Because this is going to take a little bit of a whacking with a hammer in the people's heads to start to make them understand. Stop this. You're the king. You're the queen. You're convening court. They jump through the hoops. They do what you order. If they, nobody appears before that court that day with a superior claim to the possession of that property, the property is being held in naked possession, which means without right, by some foreign entity. And you order it to cease and dismiss immediately, and for that, that property to be, con- to 
be transferred back to its proper place of jurisdiction, which is 106 Apple Street, New Brunswick, wherever you happen to live. Right. And that's it. And if they don't do it, then you sell. That's right. And they that's sell. basically where we're sitting right now. It's like, here you go. This is, bring your superior claim, and if you don't do it, and, and that's essentially what the judge is. It almost seems like he's trying to help us do. He's like, you know, I, I know, yeah, I completely understand where you're coming from. I know that you guys know what you're talking about. You're very articulate. You're very sharp. You're very bright. Yeah, yeah get rid of superior claim. Get rid of superior. Just claim. Stop the missing capacity of the subject or the noun. Yeah. It's a claim. Bring a claim before this court. And this court is the court of Jesse and whatever your husband's name is. This court. Right, Jonathan. Yeah. Right, not family court, not civil court. Bring it before the Jesse Jonathan court. Because if you look in the United States Supreme Court rulings, it'll say in the Roe, in the, in the Roe case or the uh, Hibble case or the Terry case. It, 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 and that's what they'll say. And then if you read, like, say, it's a, uh, or they'll say it's like a, the, the Hale versus Hinkle. They'll say in the Hinkle court. Or if it was Sanford versus Jones, it'll say in the Sanford court. They don't say in the Middle District Court of Kentucky where the trial was held, and now it's up here in the Supreme Court. They'll say the Sanford Court or the Hibble Court or the Terry Court. It's your court now. So you stylize it to summons them to appear in the Jesse, what's your husband's name again? Jonathan. The Jesse Jonathan Court. The Jonathan Jesse Court is going to convene on, and uh, anybody who wants to bring a claim forth to the Jesse Jonathan Court, when the judge sees that, he's going to, or about a pickle. I am telling you, he is going to know you know, well, now you know, but you didn't know 10 seconds ago, that you know law like nobody else knows. He's going to think you're a rocket scientist. He's like, how the hell do these people know this? He's like, well, tell him some clown from Virginia told you. <laughs> you know, but they're, going to, they're going to say, holy Jesus, how does this lady know this? How does she know to say that the Jonathan Jesse court is going to convene on a tent? And if anybody wants to... Uh, address uh, court and come with a claim, it, 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 this is the time to make their claim known to court. There you go. Or said court. Oh, that's even worse. S-A-I-D court. Said court. Because you already established this is a Jonathan Jesse court. Or you use your last name, which is even better. A Livermore court, whatever you guys go, go by. What's your last names? Uh, Little and Arsenault. What? Arsenault? <laughs> Little and Arsenault, yeah. There you go. Little Arsenault court. There you go. Or well, if you're the mom, I'd put it under the mom's name. These kids are young, right? That's right, they're young. Yeah, I, I, who's the who's the Arsenal, the woman? Uh, the uh, well, the the Arsenal is me. Uh, that's yeah. my maiden name, and uh, all the other, all yeah, the children go by little other than uh, one, who's from uh, yeah. my previous relationship. If they're not what I'm saying, so I'd make it the Arsenal court. If you're the mother, the Arsenal, and then the next person's name. Yeah. Because you want you want the mother to be in total control of little ones, That's because right. she's got the capacity to deal with that. Not a man. I don't care. I'm sorry, guys. I'm not on your team on this one. Uh, I'm sorry, but it, it's the mom's property. She did nine months. I explained that yesterday. You know, like I say to people, I said if me and Greg we get along great, I chopped down a tree. It took me ten minutes to chop the tree and drag it down here. I did ten minutes work. Greg whittled it here for the next nine months. Now, I could say, well, I gave Greg the ability to whittle that chair because he was in my house using my electricity while I was feeding him and uh, while I was providing everything for him. It's like, you know what? I could sue him for the electricity he used then. I could sue him for the food he ate. I could sue him for the rent, but I can't sue him for that chair. 
That's his chair. He produced it. He labored it. That's his chair. He's the creator. He's the laborer of that chair. All I do is put 1% into that chair. He has, to my belief, he has the right to totally claim and possess 99% of that chair. It's Greg's chair. I assume if it was, you know, because he occupied my house. It's the same thing with a wife. It's her child. Can you sue her for the electricity by housing her for nine months? Sure. Can you sue her for eating nine months worth of food? Sure. But don't dare think for a second you're going to sue her for that child. You only put 10 minutes into it. Yeah. So, see, that's how I look at it. So, I'm not trying to bash men and I'm not trying to, you know, glorify women, you know. But I'm just trying to say this is the way I would look at it when somebody produces anything, whether it's a chair or a child. Right. You know? He sent you the uh, documents, Carl, in your email, um, so you should have them in there right now of what we sent. There's just uh, the judge put in there what his edits were and whatnot, what his little notes were. All righty. So, like I said, uh, that's good. We'll, we'll we'll talk about this some other time. Uh, I don't know what uh, other day you folks would want to talk about this, but uh, you know what, what you know. I'll go over this stuff someday, and uh, hopefully you guys are. Uh, uh, understand what I just said or listen back to this call and see if you can tighten it up a little bit and see if you want to send it back something to me and uh, I'll read it again. Yeah. But um, is there anybody else who wanted to put their two cents in what these folks are going through? Greg's on live on the air, uh, North Virginia, whoever that is on the air. And, uh, hey, Michael's still here. I think Peter's still on. Um, yeah, I mean, I think like what you said, the Keep it simple, one page. Yeah. Less is one, more. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's very powerful. They can't, uh, there's no disambiguation. They can't uh, micromanage it. It's uh, crystal clear. You know, when you're in the middle of a battle, you just say, I order you to fire. Fire. You know, I'm not going to explain how a bullet gets propelled out of that rifle barrel. Shoot. You know, I'm not going to stand here all day and explain it. Do it. You know, who's in control here? Me. <laughs> Do it. So as long as you remember that you're in control, it, I mean, it's going to be tough because I know everybody's scared out of their mind dealing with somebody in a black robe. And I know this stuff isn't easy and it's not fun. And, uh, you know, but once you guys start getting the grasp of this, it's going to be like, holy cow, we can move through this stuff like lightning all the time. Yeah, you can. So, well, like I said, don't try to sue them for any kind of money at this point for interfering with your custody of your child. You know, just be grateful you get them back and, uh, you know, worry about that stuff, uh, compensation later on. Exactly. That's what we're really focusing on now is just we we really just, that's the ultimate goal. That's the tree in the forest that we're focusing on, right? Just get the kids back home. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Like I said, and it's going to be great if, if this works out like that. And I, I, I know what's going to happen because I've helped a lot of people like you folks before. And what happens is a lot of the women cave in and they go, call. I just wanted it to end. And I just signed an agreement with them, and I was just so grateful to get my babies back. I was like, oh, geez, Lord. They're going to take them away again. And they're like, oh, no, no, I'm just grateful. I just wanted this to end. And they told me they wouldn't get involved no more. I was like, you know what? You just basically admitted guilt. Oh, well, you know, I said, lots of luck to you, but when they do it again to you, you know, there's nothing I can do for you. Because once you people can establish some sort of a precedent, every other mother and child can also latch on to your uh, style that you did. Exactly. And uh, like, like, well, I don't want to be the test guinea pig. I want this done and I want it now. Well, I've been doing this since August of 2001. 
and uh, I, uh, they gave me many opportunities just to sign a piece of paper and end it all. I said, oh, you get it. nothing you have to do. Oh, we just end it all. Nope, I ain't giving up. I ain't stopping. We are going through this to the bitter end. You know, like, but it's all over. You don't understand. Nobody wants to do anything. Everybody loves you. Oh, nobody wants to hurt. Nobody. Just, I don't care. We're going to fight to the bitter end. This is going to be over. And nobody's ever going to do this nonsense to anybody ever again. And uh, the paperwork is beyond simple. I got a lady coming on uh, this Lord Paradox, folks, and she'll tell you, man, she's the number two person here. And she said that uh, they laughed at her. You know, she came in, like, with a, a Dean Clifford method with, like, two, three, four pages of nonsense. And she said they laughed her out of the building. I said, ma'am, just write these two sentences, hand it to the court clerk, and watch the magic happen. And she said, oh, my God, like, the people were running around the courthouse, and the judge came down and talked to us, and the judge helped us rewrite the the the." the uh, rid of habeas corpus. So she was like, holy cow, like one sentence, two sentences is powerful. I said, oh yeah, it's beyond powerful. I said, all this silly nonsense with birth certificates and uppercase, lowercase names and all this paperwork and surrendering titles, it's, it's, it's nonsense. When the court realizes there's a man and woman before them, they will jump like lightning. So like I said, let me get down to this Lord Paradox lady. Uh, it's a husband named Jesse and uh, Jonathan. If you can understand a little bit what they're saying, but what you know, like how simple I try to make things. So I'm going to do that Northeast New York folks first, real quick, and then I'm going to jump to Lord Paradox. So try to see if you can uh, see what what, what what I'm trying to say on those old shows I've had, and uh, and see if it makes any sense. And get get back with me, uh, you know, next Sunday if you'd like to, if you got a little bit of time. If not, you can email me. I'll put my email up there. You can say no. My traffic case is next Monday. Just the same thing with this paradox lady. Her case is this Thursday. The habeas corpus hearing is this Thursday. So we told her we're going to try to work with her Sunday and Monday to try to get her stuff tight. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I put my email up there right now. And then that, that way I put them on, a, like you folks, on like a mass email list, and I'll say when, when we're going to talk next. So if you're interested in hearing what we got to say, if you want to ask another question, Sometime during the week, if you see the mass email, like this lady was like an emergency call we did for her uh, uh, a day or two ago. And I said to everybody, okay, I'm going to do an emergency call for this lady. She has some interesting news from Canada, from the Queen's bench, and something worked out good today, and she wants to tell us how it worked out. So we said, okay, let's start up a show. All right, Ms. Mel. <laughs> see if we get well, thank you very much. All right, hopefully it'll help. Yeah. All right, you can listen if you want to, but we're going to jump over to her, okay? Yes, that's fine. Thank you. All right, have a good night. Hello, uh, next, uh, Northeast New York. Northeast New York. Buffalo, Syracuse, Ithaca, Utica. Where are you, Northeast New York? Oh, you're Northeast New York, so you're by Albany or Saratoga. Are you there, North Northeast New York? Hey, Northeast New York, are you there? Well, if you are, I'm going to leave you unmuted, and I'm going to jump right over to uh, Jessica or uh, Jonathan over here, Lord Paradox. How are you doing? Hi there. How are you, Carl? All righty. How's it going out there? Pretty good, pretty good. Uh, we're getting prepared to uh, to submit uh, uh, 
an or, another uh, order, try to repair basically the damages that the judge made by uh, changing our word property to children. Right, so I'm glad, like I said, it, it, does it start to make a little more I want to bring Greg into this one because Greg's a real good guy, and I want to try to make him basically the host of these shows sometimes. Yeah. So Greg's a good guy. You know Greg, right, the man who explained I love you <laughs> the other yes. day to you? Yes, hey, definitely, yeah. You there, Greg? Greg. Hey, Greg. <laughs> well, he's on a call. Uh, yeah, I'm here. Yeah, I had I had my phone muted to uh, make sure I didn't uh, provide any extra sound effects. <laughs> Greg, Greg, you got it. Greg, you got an awful lot of listeners listening right now. So why don't you explain to these folks one more time about the modification of a subject of a noun to mention its capacity and status or standing? Well, you can okay, do it in well, the English right, language. back to uh, grade school and we remember simple sentences like spot, see spot run and things like that and the example is that everybody has close to their heart is the phrase I love you where you have a subject a predicate and a direct object All right, and because it is a simple subject a simple predicate and a simple direct object there is no temporal or substantial modification, which means that they exist for all time, all right? The phrase, I love you, is a phrase that exists from the beginning of time to the end of time, all right? And the minute you add anything to it to make it sound more special, you make it less special. That's as simple as you can explain it to somebody. So it's like, I love you more than my ex-wife. Okay, great. So now it's conditional. Uh, I love you because you make me happy. Well, that means that uh, when you stop making me happy, maybe I don't love you. Um, No matter what you do to that poor, simple little sentence, to try to make it sound more cool, you're only going to make it sound worse. And that's what happens in making simple claims in court. If you try to make something sound really important, you're probably making it sound less important. And so uh, one must challenge themselves, if, especially if you've got a good high school or college education, to write things that sound almost like, you know, C-spot run. And you're going to read your own thing back to yourself and you're going to go, man, I could do better than that. And you got to stop yourself. you got to say, no, it's actually okay. Because if you just leave it alone in its most simple and perfect form, nobody can dispute it. Nobody can say, well, you know, this didn't really begin at the time of your marriage. This began like six months after your marriage. Or this didn't... Uh, this didn't exist at the time of the transgression or when you ran that stop sign, you know, this was uh, something that you claimed after that or before that. or, or you, you don't want to give anybody on the legal side the ability to reach in there and twist your words. And if you make it really stupid simple, it gives you your best opportunity to succeed. Now, I'm not, I'm not going to guarantee success but I'm just saying that way you won't shoot yourself in the foot by accident. Okay? All right, Greg. So thank you, folks, because uh, this is Mr. Greg in Chicago, 
And uh, if you thought my voice changed, no, that's great because he speaks more eloquently than I do. So what this lady was having a dilemma with, well, lady, uh, ma'am, uh, would you explain to these people who are listening a little bit that when you handed the clerk of the court some paperwork, it sounded very lovely what happened uh, you know, five minutes, an hour later when the judge came down. Can you explain to these folks a little bit what happened? Okay. Um, yeah, we, we submitted our, our paperwork for the, the habeas corpus, and uh, within about an hour, uh, the court uh, opened up a quarter. We were opened up a quarter record to go in with the, the judge and a stenographer and the court clerk, and basically, you know, um, present our paperwork and you know explain why we're doing what we're doing. And um, uh, the judge was very weary of and concerned of our use of the word property in reference to our children. And, uh, you know, he, he, he was making several references to the movie Lincoln and, you know, how it was inappropriate <laughs> for us to call our children property, uh, you know, basically referring to them as slaves. And, uh, you know, we basically let him know that, well, no, we believe that we created the, these children from our flesh and blood. They belong to us. They're our property. Um <coughs> So he, we were kind of, you know, caught in the deer in the headlights almost. You know, we were uh, a little mesmerized finally with someone willing to submit our paperwork. Finally, we've been four months trying to have paperwork filed and, and get this thing started and, and finished. Um, and, and when he said, said simply, you know, well, if, if I could just please change this word property to children, then we could just get this going right, right now. So we told them that, you know, we really didn't agree with the changes um, that we would have to discuss essentially with our council um, what kind of implications that kind of change would make and, and whether we should stick to our, our property, word property, so to speak. And, uh, you know, he basically insisted. And, and uh, so we thought, well, you know, if we could just get this in here, maybe we can still kind of work with that. Uh, so now we're kind of looking at how do we approach repairing the damages from him changing the word property to children. And we don't know how, like whether we should submit, kind of file into this case uh, an affidavit or a letter basically saying, you know, that we still, you know, regardless of the judge's uh, scratch marks on our, our claim, that you know, we still believe that these children are our property and that they, they were wrongfully taken and wrongfully detained and they need they belong lawfully with us at our address. And, and that's pretty simple. Um, now we're just ready to submit an order and we're not really sure how to proceed with that, how to approach um, handing it to the judge, going from, a, going from a motion to an order and how to present that to, to the judge at the hearing. I had to unmute myself. <laughs> no, doing good. Like I said, I'm glad you guys structured that, and uh, I sent the paperwork over to Greg and help him help me uh, try to refine it a little bit. But it's simple. You know, he's what he's doing by making you do a motion is he's trying to still be the one because, like I said, you what's going to happen on Thursday, you're going to be denied. Right. Because you're still letting it and be in his hands because a motion can be granted or a motion can be denied, just like a wish. 
like you say to the genie, the genie says, oh, mighty master, what is your wish? You say, you know, I'll give you one wish, make a wish. You say, well, I wish for 10 million wishes. And he's like, ha, 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 that wish is not going to be granted. Make another one. See, now the genie has the option. Even if it's the almighty master, somehow you're giving him the capacity to decide what you're going to be granted and what you're going to be denied. Right. What you're going to do is you want to basically pull this black-robed one out of any decision process making. Like, look, dude, this, <laughs> I'm not giving you a choice. This is an order. And how you're going to stylize it is, is the saying is, all you're basically trying to say to these people that when you're doing a writ of habeas corpus, but we agree, oh, maybe we didn't agree. I said, you, you make an order for the, the return of property. And you say, compare that with writ of habeas corpus, C exhibit A. And then use whatever writ of habeas corpus uh, forms or paperwork they do up in Canada and attach it as an exhibit. And fill it out lovely. Fill it out exactly like, I'm a Canadian citizen, I'm a subject of the Queen, all this nonsense. Because it's just an exhibit. It has nothing to do with your claim. So you say to the man, it's like, look, I know how you like it structured. I know how you folks would like it. But that has nothing to do with my claim. So all you're saying to your claim is that you want, say, I order the return of my property to the proper place of origin under its exclusive jurisdiction. Wow, I said it. When you hear the end of the show, recall what I just said. Make sure your paperwork says that because you understand what I just said to you by saying I want my property returned to its, to the, to its source or place of origin. Okay. You're the source of its origin. You're the place of its origin, the mom. That's where that property came from. That's where that child came from. So you see what I'm saying? Nice, simple order. Like when a judge says, to, like Mr. Gorn Hall says, I order you uh, 15 to 20 in the federal penitentiary. Next case. See how simple that judge's order was? One sentence done? Yes. That's all you're doing. Yeah. And this is what I'm saying. You order, you order, you know, whosoever, you say to whomever is in possession, naked. you can say naked possession. That's a pretty good one. You put naked in brackets if you want. That's fine. Who's ever in possession, because naked just means you believe they have no right to hold that. But naked is kind of more legally word. So you can just say possession. Say to whomever or to whatever, <laughs> whomever has possession of my property, said property to be returned. You know, you can use the word post haste, like immediately, to its place of origin. You know, under its, under, you know, under its exclusive jurisdiction, which means just nobody else has a right to control it but you. So try to just stylize your order for like just that one little thing that I just said. Okay. And it's within it's on the thirty minute mark, so uh, you know, if you download this thing then your call came in around a twenty five minute mark. Wonderful. Thank you for that. Um, now would we be filing this as a separate case or directly into the current case we've got open going on? No, you have to be the moving party. You have to file it. You have to get it. You have to move you have to get your case. Uh, placed on file in that court, and then when you go into open court on Thursday, what you are going to do is then you're going to have your claim uh, pressed upon a record, and you're going to be the only one who's going to press anything that day because the other side's not have vocal cords or the capacity to answer you. So you're going to claim it's going to stand unrebutted. 
So you're going to basically win. It's going to be a default because you know and I know and say it a million times. If somebody from the other side is going to come forth and make a counterclaim, you just do a simple statement like, "Are you an attorney?" Yes, I am. Well, are you saying that you want uh, this property to be in your possession? Are you claiming that you have a rightful claim to this property? Well, no, the the Providence of New Brunswick's uh, Family Service Department will let them come to court and press their claim upon the record. And he'll know that press this, their claim upon the record means they have to speak. It's like, well, I speak for them. No, 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 no. You can't speak for some man and saying that he wants to adopt the baby. If he wants to adopt the baby, he better come to court and he better say, oh, he wants a baby. And not just dump a baby on some strange man's doorstep and say, oh, well, the attorney said that you wanted it. I never said I wanted a baby. What? Did, what? Your attorney said you wanted one. He can't speak for me. Well, if he's got the power of attorney, no, no, not, not when it comes to something like this. No, 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 no. I don't want this. So you just demand that it's common law, and a common law practice is, is that somebody's going to make a claim against your claim or make a superior claim or make a, uh, say that they have a vested interest like 50-50 with your property. They have to come forth and say it. They can't move an attorney to do it. They're going to have to come forth and speak or forever hold their peace. So I hope that helps a little bit. Definitely, uh, that that'll help us uh, get, get our our claim pressed on the record as well. So, uh, and then we're we're pretty confident there's not going to be any anybody else coming in trying to uh, to to claim otherwise. So, uh, uh, I'm not sure. I'm trying to understand. You know whether I don't know if I can file it in the regular courthouse because it is against the judges. And uh, even if we can try to evoke common law, uh, they're a club, and there's no doubt about it. Eleven judges have supported the court order against me uh, without any basis, just to support the first judge that did it. And um, so I've had three appeals that have been denied. So I'm yeah. just wondering. Yeah, I just wondering. When, when you appeals, you folks, you know, uh, see. I know, I know, but I've done it and it's over. It's now. I just want to do the claim, right? And I just don't think I can file it in the same, the same. I mean, I just found out about you a couple weeks ago, right? And I have been in this for, this court whole business for for eight years and right. uh, lost my kids for four, and so I know I'm at the end of the administrative process in their courts. It's, what it's an, an administrative court in Canada. Was it Chancery or Queen's Bench? Queen's Bench. Oh, Queen's yeah. Bench. Yeah, you gave them a hard time. That's hard. That's a good one to go to. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah like well, I, I gave them a run for their money, and they just have all the power and disempowered me. I mean, I, I fought really hard. So uh, the only thing is, was is that she held court, and then after 9.30, uh, she was supposed to leave because she said that all claims were going to be tended to her between 9 and 9.30. And then after 9.30, she said things started like getting busier and busier in the court against her, and next thing she knows, she's talking like for four, five, six hours. What and happened there, do you think? She lost I, I actually talk with them. She can listen to it, and if you don't want to, I mean, I wasn't going to do a habeas corpus because of what happened with them. I thought just to do a claim because I've been wronged, and uh, I don't know if the habeas corpus would work. You think it would? Well, it's, it's the habeas corpus. She didn't do a habeas corpus. What she did, she did was a claim. 
She did a claim, eh? Even though she called it a habeas corpus. Well, I got I got all her paperwork that she filed, and she filed a claim. So, um, like I said, she calls it habeas corpus because it's easier for you folks to speak legalese and act like attorneys to each other because you guys won't come down to earth. For some reason, it sounds impressive to keep calling these corpuses, but they're not. She made a notice of the court that she was taking all claims from anybody on a planet that was willing to come forth between 9 o'clock and 9.30 and stake a claim into this property. If you want to stake a claim in this property, I'll tend to all claims and I'll decide who has the right to determine who has jurisdiction or control over this property. If you don't make your claim between 9.30, you forever hold your peace. She was supposed mm-hmm. to leave the courthouse. She didn't leave the courthouse. She's now... They were going on with their, their agenda, whatever the other people were doing for the hours. She st- stuck her nose in every two seconds and put her sense in, and now she's in contempt of court. Oh. She, what? she held the court for half an hour. I told her for two hours. She said, I want to do it for 10 minutes. I guess she thought it was funny to just say, well, if everybody don't come here in 10 minutes, I'm done. It's like, okay, well, that literally means you're done. You pack your stuff and you leave. You're done. That doesn't mean around because they want to talk around about your case now for the next two, three, four, five, six hours. So once you're done with your court, and then she I said, uh, we agreed. I said, let's make it 10 o'clock. Let's make it one hour. And then I got the paperwork back from them. They, they did a half an hour. So like I said, even if I say to you folks, look, make it for two hours, you guys say 10 minutes. I, then I say, make it for one hour. And then we agree on one hour. I take a look at the paperwork that you submit, and it still says a half an hour. You guys are always second-guessing me. This is what I'm running into. Mm-hmm. I can tell what you do, and you're going to say, well, you know what? I don't really want to be there for a whole hour. Well, she was there for the whole day. Right. So what, hap- what happened, Carl? Like in terms of, so, so it then switched, and what you're saying is they should have left. After they held their court, even though it was running on into the same, in the same courthouse, in the same building, at the same, you know, that they should have left after they tendered, you know, whoever had a claim against them. Or yes. against their property, is that yes. is that what you're saying? Like I'm trying to understand it, like cause because it, that's, it, why, that's why I say to these folks I shouldn't really talk to you folks on on uh, private calls anymore because I'm just repeating myself. And all I told her was at 8:45 a.m. Simple, 8:45 a.m. You walk into whatever room they assigned you, room 102. I'm not calling it no freaking hearing room. I'm not calling a trial. I'm not calling a courtroom. I'm walking into whatever room the court clerk assigned me. I'm walking into room 102. I'm in that room. Huh. Okay. At 9 a.m., I rise up and I say, I, I am here with my claim. All who wish to present theirs, make their claims present known. So make their presence known. This is simple. I am here with my claim. All who wish to present theirs, make their presence known. Bring your presence, your gifts to me. The king mm-hmm. will be happy. Show me your presence. Bring forth your claims. There you go. And oh, who st- wish to make their presence, make their presence as in them themselves or whatever their presentment is. They make their presence like is That's it right. Okay. So make their presence mystery. known. That's right. Make your presence known to me. You know, I'm here. I said nine o'clock. Here, let me just run this through. Nine o'clock. I would rise up and I'd say, I'm here with my claim. All who wish to present theirs, make their presence known. I stay and I'd be staying I'd stay standing. Bail, if you know, is going to come right over to me. He says, what are you doing? And I'm going to say to him, I say, the lens court is here for, oh, about 59 more minutes accepting claims. Why? Do you have a claim to present me? <laughs> That's good. You know what I'm saying? And he's going to look at me like I'm crazy. He's like, no, just sit down and wait for the judge. And I'm just going to stay standing. 
I'm going to stay standing for one hour so nobody thinks I'm hiding away from claims. Mm-hmm. So I'm standing. It's like, oh, you want me to sit down? I'll go stand down. I'll go stand. I'll go stand in the back of the building. I don't care. I'm going to stand in this room. I'll stand in the low. I'll stand. But I'm standing. I'm here like somebody was, oh, you're making claims. Oh, that's the guy standing up over there. That's who you hand the claims. So he's here for an hour making claims. That's what we saw in the newspapers. That's the guy who makes the claim. You mean, so that, you mean can I just ask you, or am I interrupting if I, just for clarification? Just hang on a second. You'll see what I'm saying. Okay, this, okay, I'll listen. I, I'm going to stay standing for one hour. And if, they, if the judge walks in and says, all well, rise, I'm still standing. I'm, I'm, I'm doing a damn thing. And the judge says, well, here this is. It's like, sir, I've been assigned this room. Uh, um, this is the Lentz Court. Um, are you here to assist the Lentz Court? <laughs> well, I'm here to, uh, at 10 o'clock, they do a hey, rid of habeas corpus. I said, well, I'm here to accept claims for that property, and at 10 o'clock, uh, my court will, you know, adjourn. I'll be done. He's like, well, uh, what, are you holding court now? Oh, yes, sir. He's like, uh, he's like oh, he's going to look at you like you're crazy. He's like, so I'm just going to stand, stand there for an hour and let him talk whoever he wants to talk to, do whatever he wants to do. I'm just going to stand there waiting for that hour. And then at 10, at 10 o'clock, as soon as the 10 o'clock hits, I'm going to call the bailiff over and send an order to the bailiff and say, here, sir, please hand this uh, order to the woman or the man sitting up over there on that big bench over there. And then when he's walking towards the, the guy in a black robe with a woman, I'm going to say, well, look at the one in the high chair. And I'm going to say, uh, can you take that to the court clerk and record and file for this for me, please? Thank you. Godspeed. And I'm gone. Hmm. But damn what anybody else is doing. Anna Nicole Smith died. Remember, she had a brand new baby. Yeah. And they, they made a worldwide uh, international internet alert message. Mm-hmm. If anybody wants to claim this baby, make their claim known to this court in Bermuda, and the judge will tender all claims. Mm-hmm. You had millions and millions and millions of claims from all over the world. You had Chinese guys making claims to Anna Nicole Smith's baby just because he was going to be worth millions of dollars one day. So remember, everybody was coming forth with their claim to that court in Bermuda. What the judge should have said is, ah, you know what, we're going to get a lot of wackadoos making email claims to these kids. Look, you know what, if you have a legitimate claim to this kid, you are going to figure out some way to get here to Bermuda, and you're going to get and appear in my court from 9 o'clock to 10 o'clock. We'll accept claims to this kid, and you're going to give up a DNA sample, and uh, the court will take all the claims in, and we'll process the claims, and we'll see who's the true uh, uh, person who should you know, possess this child. We'll find out who the true claimant is. That's why I said, the lady, that's what you're doing in court. It's just your child. You're putting the child up there and saying, look, does anybody claim this child other than me? Whoever on this planet wants to make a claim for this child, we gave the world fair notice. We gave the world fair warning that if they don't come and make the claim for this child, by 10 o'clock, we're going to wrap the show up and we're going home. You know, we're not going to sit here all day and argue who's going to make a claim for this child. Either the claims are going to be known to this, made known to this court now or forever hold your peace. Mm-hmm. And that's how you hold court. So whatever you found a diamond or a ruby. Say you found a nice big red ruby on a road up there. I've been told it's worth a million dollars. Let me give everybody a fair warning and notice around the world. Let me put it on the Internet. One million dollar ruby found in Canada. Uh, if you could describe what's written inside this ruby, I will accept your claim that you are the true possessor of this. If not, I'll give you six months to make your claim, and then I'm going to keep this ruby for all time. Everybody can hold their peace. Finest keepers, losers, weepers. And then you make your claim, and then within six months, you're going to have millions and millions of people coming from all over the world making a claim. But you say to them, look, if you want to make a claim, you have to appear in person. 
I'm not taking internet claims. I'm not taking letter claims. I'm not taking phone call claims. If that thing is really worth a million bucks to you, you're going to appear in court. And I'm going to hold court in six months between 9 o'clock and 12 o'clock. Make your claim known to court. So then there's only a couple of people who might show up. And then say, written inside of that ruby, somebody uh, put the letter S inside of it. And there's two guys that show up and say, there's a letter S in that ruby. Like, huh, that guy made a claim and he's right. He submitted his claim. He's right. Oh, my God, now what do we do? We've got two people who claim vested interest in the same piece of property. How do we do this? King Solomon has split this diamond baby in half. How do we do this? And then that's when you leave it up into the hands of the jury. The evidence to say how did they happen to be in Canada at that particular moment in time, six months ago or ten years ago, when that ruby just happened to fall off their finger out of their pocket, make their claim known. Now we got a trial. Now we got a controversy. Now we got a matter that's there's something going on today. She couldn't hold her court. That's all she the let was. it go. You're saying she let it go. Let it go into their hands, and by staying, they let go of their power, like they let go of their. Oh, they, they, they still have it. They held their court. Now they're being believed in their mind that they lost their court like for all time. All that happened was their court proceeded. Nobody made a claim. I said to her, so when that happened, now all you have to do is take it to the uh, court clerk, the order, and say that whoever you assigned in the black robe witnessed on this day that nobody came forth with a claim between 9 o'clock and 9.30. I need you to uh, have that man sign this order that he witnessed what happened at, at that time in court, and then I need you to sign it so I can take it down to the sheriff's department so I can go get back and custody my children. And my Are you problem. serious? So that yeah. could happen without the trial? Because the controversy there would be that uh, the child, well, they didn't have a claim, but in my case, my ex would make the claim. He would be there saying that he has a claim um, I don't believe he has a 50% claim, uh, but, uh, you know, that's the way it's looked at in this day and age. And the other thing is the judges have given him possession, sole possession of our children. And so these... The jury determines is what the jury determines. The jury, you can move it before a jury. And if the jury think that you're a wackadoo, you're never going to see the kids until they're 90. You better be careful. The jury could just take the Canadian law that says 50-50 and throw it out the window and say, he's a wackadoo or she's a wackadoo, and uh, nobody gets nothing, and throw them into foster care forever. So you better be careful. I've seen that I happen. Know. The thing is, he's had four years of sole custody, and, I mean, you have witnesses when you have a jury, right? Uh, there's lots of people that would testify that I'm an excellent mom. Well, there you go. And it, and it depends on how, on how competent he is to hold a court in a common law trial by jury when he could just say, I object. They have no first-hand knowledge, blah, 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 blah. But who knows if he knows how to play attorney? Well, he does. He, we did this nine-day trial in their administrative courts, and he acted on his own behalf, and he did, a, you know, obviously a fantastic job. Well, then you better know, right, you better know who your adversary is before you walk into court. <laughs> you better try to make exactly. a settlement. Because if he thinks that he might be in danger because somehow you get some sort of trial by jury thing going on, and he starts getting antsy, then what you could do is you could start trying to make a settlement with him on a private side, obviously. So both of these just don't get blow up on each other. And the jury just look at each other. These people are psycho. Throw the kids away from, from both of them. They're both crazy. You've got to be careful when you go in front of a trial by jury because the judge will accept you guys going wackadoo and crazy on each other. He'll just say, look, there's human emotions. You know what? Thank God all I could do is I'm bound by the letter of the law. I'm bound by the black and white. 
I have to do this, no matter how wackadoo these people are, or I can't rearrange the law. You know what? And then he's just going to try to maintain status quo, and he's going to say, look, we're just going to let it stay the way it is. You know, have a nice day. Case dismissed. Get out of here. He's going to say, come back some other time. That's what dismiss means. Just get the hell out of here for a while. You want to come back and do wackadoo shit some other time on me? That's fine. You know, dismiss. Get away from me for a while. So being separated from my children like this, when, you know, against my will and wishes, and my children didn't want to be separated from me, none of that matters, eh, in terms of a claim or anything? Like, I have no claim? Well, that's going to support your claim. And But who are you trying to convince? Your ex-husband? That's who you... Well, obviously you... not, because it's the court that gave him custody, right? Because if claim. the court wasn't involved... See, this is where I'm trying to figure out who's really do I have a claim against, because if the court weren't involved, Carl my kids and I would be freely being together. If the court hadn't given this type of severe order to separate and segregate us, you know, they'd be living with me as much as they wanted, and I wouldn't be stopping them from seeing their dad. Basically, if there was no court order, we would have a life together. What you simply told me was, like, you were an American Idol contestant, and your husband was one contestant, you were another contestant, and he sang his heart out for nine days, and the jury gave him, or the judge gave him, or, or the robot gave him the thumbs up. If you got the thumbs up and he got the thumbs down, would you be calling me right now trying to hope that he got his kids back? See what I'm saying? That's how the jury looks at you. You had your chance in court. You took the stage. You were the American Idol star. You wanted to win. You sang your heart out. You were the greatest singer in the whole world. Great, but guess what? There's one guy who's the whole greatest singer in the universe. You lost, and now you're pissed. I don't blame you. Like I said, I don't know what happened during that trial. If somebody said, look, man, can you guys just come to some sort of meeting of the minds consensus here? Can you just, like, give and take? Can you guys just share a little bit here? Or do you want no. to just... Look at he wouldn't. That? He wouldn't. I mean, that's the thing. He won't. He's had four years. I begged. I pleaded. I tried to do private side things. I went back to court, too. You right. know, emails. You know, nothing. Right. Or fear every time. All I'm saying is, before you actually slugged it out in court, if you won... If you won a million dollars and you were the American Idol, would you say to the loser, hey, I'll give you half? No, he's like, you're a loser. I won. Hooray. I was crowned Miss Canada. Yay. What are you going to say? Well, you know, I'll do it six months. You do it six months. No. People take their winnings and they go. And the loser just learns how to fight back better. You know, so Yeah, and that's what I'm trying to know, how to fight back. I just think it's wrong that any third-party entity could be deciding, uh, dictating our kids' lives with no liability. Yeah. I just think it's wrong. Really good thing and bad about what happened to you like that. When you go into a common law trial by jury, it says there is no appeal. So, like I say to people, look, are you ready to do this? Because it's all in. You're gambling. You're poker. You're putting your children in. Everybody, it's all in. Do you really want to play this game? That's, that's what's going on when you're going into court. You're all in. So if you went before the trial and you had a trial and you lose, obviously... The loser is going to feel that they got a raw deal. You're going to feel like you got a raw deal. So the only other thing I could say to you is if you had an administrative hearing, yes, you could always move it over to a common court after you lost an administrative because, like you said, they had an appeal and had an appeal. But in common law, if you do it again and you lose again, then what are you going to do? Well, it's already over with the administrative. Like, I either have to reconcile, I won't be my kid's mom again while they're children, and that's it. It's over. Like, and my youngest is only 10, and I can't really reconcile that. I can't can't just say, okay, well, that's it, you know. 
I had these babies and I, you know, loved them into life and every moment then and now I have no role in their life. I, I just, I'm not oh, that I, kind of, huh? Wait a minute. No, I haven't seen my kid, uh, like I said, in quite a long time. But um, what I'm saying is, but that's, 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 that's my own free will. But, um. Well, you haven't get... you haven't seen him now, the one you the little guy that you fought for, although he's yours. Nope, nope. Because to me, it'd be distracting me from what I got to do, and this and what I got to do is file this lawsuit and get this lawsuit done and get these people away from him and me forever. So, see, that's what I'm saying. You guys would just be happy to win and go on with your lives, not me. Yeah, I got my kid back. No, I'm not happy to go on my life. You're gonna pay for what you did. You can't be forced into a civil proceeding. You can't. You could always stay it, and you could always say, I'm negotiating and settling it on a private side. I'm trying to handle really? it. Really? See, and I didn't know that. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. You could always say, we're settling this on a private side. We're but working it's over on now, so there's nothing to settle because he's won, and he's happy that he's won, right? So right. it's not like there's an option. It's not like before the trials. That was years ago, right? Where This is what's weird is when women wanted equal rights. So said, are you really sure? I didn't. Right, but what I'm saying is a lot of women's like, yes, they do. I said, you realize you're going to be treated equally like a man in court and divorce proceedings as well. Yeah. You understand that if you want it halfway up the board, it's 50-50 and we're equal standing as men, you realize that no person in their right mind would have ever separated a mom from their child. But if you guys That's want to right. be a man, well, then, well, hell, you know, 50-50. Yeah, and that's what screwed us. That's what screwed us. Before the tender years doctrine protected women like us, you know, when I, all my kids were under seven years of age when we separated and there would have been no fight in court. I would have just automatically had custody and he would have been able to see the children as much as he wanted to. I would have you never know, stopped that. You know what the kids were considered back then? You guys oh, were considered idiots and incompetence. That's what protected you. See, that's what protected people, because they were deemed idiots and incompetence. They had no understanding what was going on, so you can't bind them into something that they have absolutely no training in, no clue in. All these women were ever supposed to be trained in was up on their mamas how to bake an apple pie and change a diaper. So obviously a man couldn't drag a woman into court because it would be unfair. You're beating up somebody who only she studied her whole life was how to be a good wife. She wasn't yeah. trained in philosophy. She wasn't trained in the ways of the world. She was trained for being to be, a warrior, to be a warrior for her kids, like to, to have to go to bat and try to fight for them in court and her rights. And right. kids are getting ground up by this, this legislation right. for 50, 50. It, 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 it mess. And then, and then there's men that really want control like my ex and he'll go for a hundred percent. And that's, that's what yeah. happened. And that's what women did to the men. I can't just sit around and collect uh, welfare and shop support. I got to go out there and bust ass every day. I said, I can't play stupid and, and and get 100% cussing on kids. I pop out one kid, and my life is destroyed for the next 18 years. And I can't pick out a pattern to match my wallpaper. I see things in black and white. I'm the world's worst interior decorator. Would you want a woman to pull up and, and pull you out of a burning building, or would you want me to pull up? And I, but they, you know they, what, Carl? People have bought this stuff. They bought it hook, line, and sinker, and it's destroying kids. I think kids are so much worse off because of the gender-neutralizing Right. And then and what goes with a no-fault divorce, which means abuse can go on and, and women and children aren't protected and uh, gender neutralizing or either the man or woman can screw around on each other and nobody has to take accountability or responsibility and let's split the kids in half. Like uh, everybody's promoting that. I think it's horrendous. I'm like, look, I do my job, you do yours. If you do yours, I can do mine. If you right. don't do yours, 
then I got to do both. And if I got to do both, nothing's going to get done. Like there's not any real men that are being warriors and, like you said, having a job. Uh, my ex fought for me to go back to work. I have a professional degree, and I was quite happy to stay at home, but he wanted me and uh, back, you know, and I didn't work full time, but that allowed him to have 50-50 because we separated after the third one was like just a little baby. And uh, and then now he's been off work the whole time he's had the kids, and they're all boys. They're adolescents. Two of them are adolescents. It's like, be a man. Give a, Be them a role model. What are you doing being a homemaker? To me, the man was basically what you would say. He was fighting for his life because as far as he was concerned, he knew he was going to pay a gazillion dollars a week in child support that he was never going to afford. He was going to be having to live on some of his mama's basement or a sofa somewhere because he, he was coming home with $2 a week on his paycheck. That's wrong, too. See, in that way, I feel for guys, and I know this is how this equal custody came about, and all the lawyers have benefited from it. You know, the guys that are ending up with nothing, like I took a, I took an, I agreed to 800 bucks every, every uh, month with three children under seven, because I thought, well, and even though my ex had a full-time government job, and I had a very part-time contract job, I thought, well, you know, he has to live on something, and I realized I was so screwed. I I accepted nothing, right? And 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 I hear what other women get, and I just think, wow, like, how could you do that? And then the courts are ordering it. So there are a lot of guys I know that are being screwed, and then they're fighting for 50-50 because the lawyers are saying, well, that's the way you won't have to pay as much, and that's crazy. So that's wrong, too. I mean, I have lots of uh, opinions on this. It's wrong. Well, now it's just a war between the sexes. That's exactly what it is. Yep. The guys just said, you know what, we've had enough. And the women said they had enough. And then everybody's just going at it like wild dogs. And, it, it's a, and, and that's exactly what makes lawyers' money is controversy. Now you're telling me because the state and the attorneys came in that the kids are so much smarter and so much more adjusted and so much able to handle life so much better than the kids in the 50s and the 60s, 70s could? Not at all true. Women have really, really, really screwed themselves. It's just a mess, really. And you're trying to move it into the Queen's bench again, which might be tough because, like you said, you already pretty well pissed them off. And, uh, Why did I piss them off? Because I didn't accept it? I mean, I know what you're saying. And that's, people even have said, that judge hates you. And I said, what, did she have to, what does she have to hate about me? What I'm saying is because you know and I know your husband would be one talking to me right now, trying to figure out how to get it over on you, how to get back into the court and get it back over. So he gets a hearing. And he's going to say all of this. It's just, you see what I'm saying? How everybody's the same role now. It's so silly. This is just so bloody unfair and wrong, and it's harming my kids. Like, I saw. To me, UCC1 is a private law, and you're not licensed to practice UCC1, but UCC1 does have certain benefits. And um, where I believe that you could protect your assets, like if in corporation, and uh, you go to the county recorder's office basically um, stay any kind of procedure against you if um, you're being sued. Well, I'm not a husband, but if I was there, I'd start packing everything up, and we'd start leaving. And I'd say the bailiff hand the order to the person in a black robe, person in a black robe, act accordingly, witness it, sign that you witnessed, that nobody made any claim today, can you give it to the court clerk, and we'll pick it up tomorrow, and we'll have it to the sheriff, and we'll have the sheriff execute it first. You've got a foreign judgment going on, and another court's not going to intervene when there's a standing, outstanding order in a foreign judgment. So you have to show where that foreign judgment was uh, obtained in error or was uh, 
you know, uh, just where they flat out did something unlawful. <laughs> if you can't prove or, that, or, or, or if you if you can prove there was a lack of good faith. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.